For over 20 years, Dr. James Maxwell and his team at Crestwood Dental have been providing quality care to patients of all ages. They offer a variety of services from cleanings to cosmetic dentistry and restorations with today's most advanced technology, including the most up-to-date lasers, digital x-rays, and impressions. They offer Invisalign and custom aligners with their 3D printer. Crestwood Dental accepts most insurance plans and a membership program for uninsured patients. Schedule today at 314-463-5655 or Crestwood dental.com this is the last minute blues podcast with jeff burton donnie fandango and former blues defenseman jamie rivers it is the last minute blues podcast donnie fandango jeff burton from 105.7 the point and our homeboy from 101 espn former blue defenseman uh, jamie rivers Gentlemen, uh, it's Sunday. We we were we're coming in uh, a day early to to knock this thing out. But you know what? I'm really kind of glad that we are here. Like what? Twelve hours after the ending of one of the most fun NHL games I've ever watched in my entire life. What a great time that was watching hockey last there night. There were so many different folds to that game. You know, there was a guy, you know, early in his NHL career for the Blues, there was uh, Jordan Bennington not playing well or having bad luck and then doing what he did, and <laughs> which we're so going to get into uh, as he leaves the ice. And why do they go off over there? We'll get into that. But then the way it sparks your team is just ridiculous because if it doesn't spark the team, he just looks like a guy that kind of went off the rails. Right. And then, But it didn't do anything. Oh, look at that. He went off the rails and it didn't help the team, but it did. And that's amazing because while these guys can come together on the first game of a long road trip. Man, and if they hadn't have responded, mm. oh, God. Then this whole, like, the vibe of our room right now is completely different than what it is right now. Well, apparently I had a lot riding on it, uh, that they would come back and play well. Because, as you guys know, and we'll get into this, I posted a tweet right after Bennington had his moment. Give me 20 Benningtons. Boys, the tally is still going of people that are responding and either loving that or hating that. So for me, I was like, I'm I'm invested here now. Yeah. <laughs> go Blues, go! <laughs> right, right. Go Blues, Do that go again. That Scandella would be great. again. Well, let's, yeah. I want to start with with this before we say anything about anything. Bennington's frustration was very warranted. Obviously, he maybe was not having the best game of his of his life there, but the team in front of him also certainly again not being a whole heck of a lot of help. I just want. My players, and even not even just my players, like the people that I work with, I want you, and get, get ready to write this down, I want you to give it I want it to eat you up when you're losing, when things aren't going the way. I just want that. And when I see our goalie do that, I want to run through a brick wall for the guy, and I'm not even on his team. Right. And, I just loved it. And, and one, of the, one of the amazing things about this program is, and I know people have emailed and said this, and we have talked about it before, is we are two guys that watched that game, and then we can pull back the curtain and talk to somebody who has been in those situations yeah. and also has connections to the guys who were at that game. So my question is, and I guess it will come out eventually, did they say something on the bench? Because in my mind as a fan watching, I went, okay, he's getting pulled. He's upset. Normally when you get pulled and you're the backup goalie, you skate to your bench and you sit there. And it seemed like to me that's where he was going. And then maybe somebody on their bench said, hey, dummy, your exit is over there. And that's what got him riled up. I don't know. So A, that, do you know if somebody said something? I don't know for sure. 
But so, I mean, does is that make sense? Like yeah, they didn't just. Look, no, so, I'm frustrated because I think there was an I think well, there was a, an an NBC affiliate that the quotes were Bennington went off the rails. He didn't go off rails, or did he in a good way? I think he went off the rails in a good way, dude. That just but, but I mean, I, that, but, that, but saying go off the rails to right. me is a, is a negative. Is I got what I'm saying. Really? I'm sorry to do my Donnie impersonation so early in the show, no, but fine. it just got me riled I'm, up to where it's like I think it's a. I'm positive. scared to jump in. Okay, and scene. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, uh, somebody obviously said something, and Jordan Bennington obviously uh, the Shark Tank is a unique situation, a u- unique setup, and I'll get into that here in about 25 seconds, but. Bennington gets pulled, goes towards the bench. Probably thought to himself, I'm either going to sit on the bench for the rest of the period and then go assume my spot where Billy Huso was, or he just forgot, whatever, you know? And then somebody probably chirped and said, uh, wrong way, you know, yeah. jerk, or right. something like that. <laughs> and he turned, and then you could see it. I've been in that situation. I've been that guy where now you're just looking for anybody. Mm-hmm. And the one guy's standing there, and he goes over and gives him a pop up near the face, and then... As he's going by, probably didn't like Eric Carlson back from denying the hand pass goal way back when in his smug little long-haired pirate-looking Jack Sparrow. Anyway. Crap. Yeah. <laughs> and so Focus. Bennington gave him the little two for flinching on that one. Mm-hmm. Which was the maybe yeah. my favorite part of the whole thing. <laughs> he's the one who's glad there was no stand, or fans in the stands because that would have been even more embarrassing. And then oh, Dubnik man. comes out a little bit, right? Kind of like acting like, hey, you can't touch my players. Like goalies, that's the thing. If, if a goalie goes after a player, the other goalie has to jump in because they're like, if it was the other way around – the players would protect the goalie, so sure. the goalies protect the players. It's crazy the way to think about it. But he took like a stride out, and then all of a sudden, Jordan Bennington's GPS took him left instead of right. <laughs> Happens. And he, he goes over there and gives the, the chop and the pop in the head, and then he just misses with the stick again on his way out, and he's backing up, looking like it's go time. We're going to throw the mitts down, and finally they get him over to the corner, which is where you have to go in San Jose. You come on a different spot. So they managed to, I guess, corral him back into a cage. It was like watching a lion. You know, you're like, getting, everybody's cutting him off. And then sure, finally, yeah. the, he gets in and we close the door. Woo, we got him, right? <laughs> but, guys, and this is where, I'm going to get into one of the, the tweets that came at me from a gentleman named Jason Bourne. I don't know if that's his real name. If oh, it yeah, is, yeah. if it is, that's a great name. The really? Bourne identity, you know. Like, it, it is, but it, then if it's not his real name, then it's real hacky and not great. Either way, I'm going to say it is his real name. Okay. Okay, because he seems like a good dude. Uh, he did not like what Jordan Bennington did. And when I made my tweet of, I'd take 20 Bennington's, he was very negative about the fact that your team's down, you haven't played well, you cost your team a penalty, just wasn't, wasn't jiving that Bennington did that. So I said, I replied to him, said, I'm going to address this tomorrow morning. You do that in those situations. Because if the game is for nothing at that point, what is the point? Who are you re-energizing at that point? Who are you dragging with you into the battle at that point? You're not. The game's over. Now, that's when it would look like somebody went off the deep end, is if it's for nothing or the game's out of reach, and now you're throwing a little tantrum. Right. Gentlemen, that was very calculated by Jordan Bennington. Don't, don't fool yourselves. He has done it before. If you can remember the Dallas series two years ago, Stanley Cup final, or Stanley Cup, or conference final, rather, Ben Bishop standing at the bench, Jordan Bennington, after the second period, has to skate the length of the ice, skates by Bennington, and hacks him in the back of the legs. Or skates by Bishop, sorry, and hacks him in the back of the legs. 
and then just goes on his merry way. <laughs> and everybody's like, what the heck just happened? He just slashed Ben Bishop. Yeah, he did. And then the team responded. Right. End up coming back to win that game. So he's done it. He's done it in San Antonio to where he's slashed his own guys. Now he's matured better than that. That's <laughs> uh, good. you got to learn. Wouldn't advise that in the NHL. Uh, but nonetheless, he's gone after players, after other goalies. after, And it's always, you talk about a, the momentum changer. And we always talk about players like that, like the Kelly Chases, the Tony Twists, the Tyson Nashes, the Jamal Mayers, guys that could change the energy of the game one way or another. Jordan Binnington took it upon himself to change the energy of the game. So now he challenged his team. Yeah, I just gave you a penalty. You're going to have to deal with that. Hey, Huso, good luck. I know you haven't had a shot on net yet, but eh, you'll be fine. Respond, boys. Respond. And they did. They did. And it went back and forth on the scoreboard, and it energized the whole game. And correct me if I'm wrong, guys. The whole game changed in that one moment to where nobody would leave their TV set and the energy was through the roof in that game. I, I thought that I didn't mean it, but I thought the chances of the Blues losing that game were about zero yeah, percent. After that, absolutely, happened. absolutely. Two things come to mind, uh, and uh, the first thing is he made me like a Jonathan Quick kind of goalie uh, a lot, or appreciate, I should say, because not too long ago, if you guys remember, I sat here on this program and said, "Oh, that Jonathan Quick, he always gets underneath the skin, and he always throws that punch after the play and everything." Yep. And you're like, uh, "That's what a, a goalie does that for his team." So now I see that on the Bennington side, you know, because I think I said, "Hate Jonathan Quick, but I'd love him to be my goalie." That's where Bennington is right now, as of last night. He can do that. Now, the devil's advocate side of me is how come he can do that and it's this heroic thing, but if a skater does it, if a Sanford does something like that and we get a two-minute penalty and they score or not, we're talking about, wow, what a dumb penalty by Sanford. How come the dynamic of a goalie doing that is better? Okay, so I'm going to pause that question just for a second because I'm going to go back to Bennington real quick beforehand because that's a good question. One other thing you have to remember about what happened. When I say he challenged his team to respond, right? They were down by a goal, I think, at that mm-hmm. time. And at that moment, you either elevate your team or they just give up. And so what else was planned with this is a first, a first game on a six-game road trip. This is a time to bond as a team. This is a time to where, especially in COVID times, you can't see anybody else. So guess what? As a team, it's time to get our crap together and Jordan Bennington just basically said, hey, guys, you know the little meet and greets? Yeah, now this one here is on steroids because we're all going to either love what just happened here tonight or it's going to be a disaster. Either way, it's going to make us get to know each other better and pull together as a team. What I do know is that when the players came off the ice after winning the game, the place went nuts in the locker room, went nuts. The boys lost their minds Bennington was laughing and they were, you know, body checking him and laughing and joking and the music is blaring and the coaches come in and the coaches are like, oh my God. And Craig Berube's like, the last time I had a game like that was in the eighties, you know, mm, just like, yeah. so the, the energy that was created from that and by pulling off the win, this is going to be monumental in my opinion. I think you're going to see a team that is way more determined moving into the next game. I don't think they're going to make a run here, and you know, but they're going to be playing with a lot more energy. So to your second part, why is it excusable or why do we view it as, oh, well, that was great. It's a different dynamic to me. Here's the, here's the thing. If you see a tough guy go do it, it's expected, right? So the, the uh, I guess the shock value is minimal. You're like, okay, yeah. Oh, he beat his ass. Well, 
That sucks. Poor Johnny's going to have to drink his food through a straw now for the next four weeks. Right, and be reminded he's a hockey player. That's right. But <laughs> if a goalie does it, if a goal scorer does it, somebody where it's out of character, okay, if they do it, then it that's the big push. It's just like a, a fighter. If he goes out and scores a goal, do you know the energy that creates mm. on the team? Yeah, yeah. Because it's something he doesn't ordinarily do. So to have, like, let's say Ryan O'Reilly go and grab a guy and – beat the snot out of him. That bench would be like, oh, my God. Right, right. You know, Ryan O'Reilly. And so for Jordan Bennington to go and just do what he did, everybody's like, oh, whoa, what just happened? Everybody's trying to figure it out. And now the coach is like, look it, the goalie's ready. He's in the crowd now, but he's ready. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I watched the uh, the post-game press conference this morning before we started. And Coach Barubi said that after the game, he left the players alone. He didn't go in the locker room. And he said, or actually the follow-up from the reporter was, and you do that very often, where he he doesn't go in the locker room after the game. Can Can you talk about that? Like, why isn't Coach going in there, at least for a second, going... God dang it, boys! What a great game! Ba, ba, ba. And then he's out, but he just leaves them alone to to have their moment. I'm Steady fascinated Eddie. by that. Steady Eddie, a little bit, but it's their moment. Yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. Like sure. so, the players went through. It's yeah, pretty cool. They, I they, like that. You know what I mean. Yeah. And let the person who did it enjoy their moment. Any walk of life. So if you guys have a fantastic show, or you have a big moment, or you whatever it is, right? Why would somebody else come in and try to get a slice of that pie? No. Let you have the pie. And so the players have a moment like that where they're hooting and hollering. They're spraying water everywhere, and the music's going, and it's just an amazing sight. Craig Ruby's like, you know what? That's all that matters is that those guys are doing that right now. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's the perfect time to not even go. What, what are you going to say? You answered everything on the ice. Right. That's literally them playing for each other when they're right. they're the only ones celebrating. They're the only ones. And yeah. Craig Berube can't skate on the ice anymore. Like, he can skate. but Wow, you're saying he can't skate, huh? No, wow. no I wouldn't say that. I, that. I I'm a lot smarter that. than that. Unless I, have, <laughs> unless I have Tony Twist with me riding shotgun. I'm a lot smarter than that. Hey, uh, so uh, during uh, Bennington's um, uh, incident, we'll say, uh, he did get that two-minute minor penalty. And one of the things that Barubi talked about in the post game was that he didn't believe that he should have gotten a two minute penalty. Which, listen, man, I, I love our guy, right, yeah. but I clearly kind of see why he got it. Why did Coach what? not think he deserved it? Oh wow! It? So now you think Craig Barubi said something wrong? Wow! Wow! He can't Look at that. Would you talk? Would you stop? He can't talk. I'm just wow. saying when the guy is fake <laughs> punching someone and then slashing someone, I understand why he gets a two minute as he's leaving the ice. But but Coach did not believe that that was the case. Well, you know he's got his players back. I think that if he sits back and reflects on it and okay. watches the replay again of you know the first detour with a glove to the face the second now the two for flinching i don't necessarily think that that's a big deal (laughs) but then the the direct line to dubnik with a slash a punch and a miss slash up high i think that craig will see that there's no reason to break down the play i mean frame by frame i'm not here to talk about the past he might might say well in real time it didn't look so bad he he, he would say yeah that's probably a penalty with a huge smile on his face like that's so just a really fantastic game and i i want to bring this up and i brought it up a couple of times before um jamie tons of penalties in the game last night um Listen, the Blues are putting themselves in positions where they're taking these penalties, so I don't want to just blame the officiating. But, dude, if if the officiating is like this in the playoffs and in the finals, 
the story is going to be the officials and not the games, man. Is there seemingly continued inconsistencies that are happening here? And last night were there, you know, a lot of those kind of wishy-washy penalties. Was there a lot of that or no? There are, but the problem is that if you look at the way the rules are placed in the rule book, they're penalties. Okay. They are, but they do get overlooked at times depending on the the time of the game, the importance of where the player is. Like, you'll always get that penalty against you if you're in the defensive zone and you take away any kind of scoring opportunity. It's automatic. Okay. Uh, Or if you create a better situation for yourself in, in their offensive zone where you get the puck back and now you've got it in a good spot, it's automatic. So they basically... They basically call the penalties based on what is the end result. How, did this did this end up in uh, creating an unfair advantage to the team that had the infraction? If so, I got to call the penalty. Makes sense. And some of them are just, I mean, when you reach for a puck and you're not meaning to do it, and that player jumps over or tries to jump over your stick, trips over it and falls, you can let some of those go. You can, but by the law, it's tripping. Like, it's, I don't know. The referees are calling it tight right now. Uh, I don't know if they've been given that direction to sure. be like airtight. I do know that come playoff time, it always seems to get the referees have a hard time finding their whistle in the playoffs, um, and there's been criticism of that from the, the very very casual fan because like, well, why does it change? Players are like, we're glad it changes, right? We get a little more flow of the game, and I, I have no real explanation for this. I just know that as we progress further and deeper into the season, the penalties should probably go down. You'll see that percentage of penalties go down t- unless it's a direct result of creating like an unfair advantage. I have uh, two questions, Mr. Rivers. Uh, first <laughs> of all, I'll hang up and listen. <laughs> then I'll hang up and listen. <laughs> no, as you were as you were just uh, answering that question, I started thinking this is like having a post game press conference after every game for you. Are you having a little? Flashbacks at all of like doing post game press conferences because this is basically. I should, be, should, I should go full Craig Berube and just give you like five words. No, let's not do that. I like I, the way you do it. I'd be good for the podcast. We got an hour and a half, two hour podcast today, and we're going. I'm just going to be like, yeah, you know, I'm just. Uh, the players did a good job. Uh, we're looking to head to uh, L.A. <laughs> by <laughs> by the way, on that tip, before I get to my actual question, Scandella, damn, he was good in that post game, wasn't he? Wow, a little man. press savvy. You better watch it, man. You well, better watch. What number it. does he wear, Jeff? Oh, that's true. Uh, just rubbing Ooh, off on him. Yes, that's what it is. The yeah, old number six. The old I wouldn't six. say it's rubbing off on him, Donnie. Old Edmondson. Um, I yeah, might avoid right. that one. All right. Um, but yes, there's probably some uh, big. Shoes to fill. Yeah, wearing the uh, number six. But uh, we talked about him. I uh, talked about that with him when he first got here. I asked him if he felt any, you know, extra pressure right. to perform at a certain level uh, off the ice, and he said, uh, <laughs> "Yeah, I've heard that there's uh, big shoes to fill here, but uh-huh. uh, I'm, I'm ready to take it on." And so. Looks like he's ready. Yeah, it looks like it. He said he only took six because eight and a half was already taken. I don't know what that means. Anyway, what I was going to ask was, going back to the whole officiating thing, is there a team? I'll let that sink in. Is there there a team that's better built for this era of officiating? Because you talk about some teams are big big and fast. And, and hard on you, you know what I mean? Or what's a better team built for this sort of efficient, or it really is there? I mean, it is it is what it is. You get some teams that are a little smaller, a little faster out there, a little more skilled. 
But at the end of the day, every team now, the recipe right now is to have some heaviness to your game, to have some of that forecheck. I mean, the Blues winning the Stanley Cup two years ago, that's the new recipe. And so you watch Tampa Bay Lightning, what did they do? They added Pat Maroon, Zach Bogosian, Kevin Shattenkirk. They added some guys who were not afraid to mix it up, not afraid to get involved, and they went and won a cup. And so now they've tried to duplicate that. They've kept a lot of their toughness and their skill. You look at Philadelphia. They've added some big bodies out there. You know, Hayes, Kevin Hayes is a guy. Uh, James Van Riemsdyk is a big guy. And then you had the Giroux and your smaller players. That's the look right now that seems to be the copycat recipe for winning is that. So whether that has anything to do with the officials, Jeff, I have no idea. Yeah. I mean, seems I don't like know. A, that's the, seems like the, the uh, attitude league-wide. I don't know. I don't know. Just get out there. I really go. don't know. I've got two actual NHL-type questions oh. that are not Blues-related. Do you have anything, Blues, that you want to hit before I do before I kind of switch gears a bit? In. Let's no, keep everybody it, off balance. All right. Let's do this. So, you know, one of the one of the teams that we've talked about over the course of, of the first, you know, few weeks of the season or whatever uh, is rooting kind of for our friends in Montreal. Uh, Jake Allen, um, as as well as um, Edmondson. Uh, Joel. And so this week, there is, a, there, there is a coaching change in Montreal. Montreal, they hit a bad skid. Claude Julien gets let go. Yep. They bring in another coach, and it seems like the coaching trigger is pretty quick these days because Montreal started yeah, the season started off, off well. really yeah. well. Is that surprising to you? And that move reminds me of the Mike Yo, Craig Berube, let's shake it up before things get any further downhill kind of move. Yeah, I think that there was some questions surrounding Claude Julien the latter part of last season, uh, he had a health scare and kept him off the bench. But the team, you know, there's always pockets of hockey where you go, eh, I don't really know if I like the way we play. Mm-hmm. And so Mark Bergevin did, I mean, he did a lot of work in the offseason to go get some free agents and make some trades. And the guys that he brought in are playing very, very well. Uh, Claude Julien started off hot, but then they went in a bit of a nosedive. And when that happens... You know, you got to make a decision. It stinks, but I bet you Mark Bergevin is feeling a little bit like, eh, I'm standing on the last part of the plank here. Right. And if I don't make a change and have a coach that comes in and does well, if if I ride it out with my buddy, Claude Julian, and things don't go well, we're both getting yeah. pushed off of here. Right, right, yeah. What, what do you do when your franchise goaltender, who you are paying you know, so much to ten and a half million. It is. I, I can't remember what I saw his save percentage was for their streak, like some like eight eighty eight or just. Really, it's under nine, which is really bad. What the heck do you do with that? Well, uh, you hope and you pray and you eat your vegetables. <laughs> right. You go to church. Uh, yeah. Um, no, look, and he's an elite goalie. He's just having a bad stretch. So whatever it is, it's kind of like a pitcher, right? They hit a spot where all of a sudden they're. They're just not right. They, you know, they're not getting the same spin on the ball, the velocity, all that stuff. Same with the goalie. He's not sealing off the corners of the nets. Things are squeaking in. For whatever reason, more pucks are going in than they should. At that point, you have to go to your backup goalie. But this is where this is where what Bergie did early on, Mark Bergevin, was genius. He's got Jake Allen. He's got Jake Allen, who is, guess what? He's 100% used to this situation. Yeah. Because he was Carey Price for a couple of years who needed a reset. Go home and sit there and reset. We're going to go on the road, and when we come back, he'll be our goalie again. I don't know if Montreal will do that, but Jake Allen fully knows that, hey, my job now, I step in, I play. And he's been playing phenomenal. 
So is there a goalie controversy in Montreal? No, because one goalie makes $10.5 million. Uh, the other one makes, I think, three point four this year. Then he goes down to two million next year for the couple of years because they at, kept that insurance in Jake Allen. But it's nice to have Jake Allen to carry the ball, and then Carey Price will get back there. He does. He has to reset. He has to, you know, figure things out. If he doesn't, then yeah, it's a disaster because you've got a goalie at ten and a half million dollars that nobody's going near with a twenty foot pole. So you're kind of hoping that uh, you try a bunch of things and that Carey Carey Price responds to that and you get him back sooner than later. I know we're going to do emails here in a little bit, and and so I want to get back to just last night's game real quickly and talk about Zach Sanford because I know we've been very, very critical of him. You guys have. Yeah, Yeah, Donnie has been very, very (laughs) critical of him. And as a matter of fact, (laughs) I talk crap on the player. They step it up. That's I true. have an amazing track, a good track record of that this year. You know, we might have point. to start something now that we have uh, our, our Twitter account, which, by the way, if you're listening, we have a Twitter account. It's Last Minute Blues Podcast, and it, uh, the actual tag or the Twitter handle is at blues underscore last. We will have things we hashtag from now on. So, Donnie, to your point right yeah. now, when you speak, they do better. We'll call that the Fandango bump. All right. We'll like go yeah. hashtag Fandango bump. I or like if it. Jeff has one or I have one or if we all agree on something, be la- you know, hashtag last minute bump. Like it. I like it. So uh, to Sanford, uh, probably his best game of the year last night. Well, and, and the reason why I say that is I didn't see any turnovers that uh, turn into goals necessarily. But also his goal is is what I thought he was going to be. I thought he was going to be that power forward that would have the puck in the half-word slash corner and look up and see four guys on the other team and just say, screw it, I'm going to the net. And he went and he scored. That's the guy I thought we were getting a couple of years ago. Well, it is the guy we've had periodically. And that's the biggest thing is the inconsistency, right? We talk about it. We've had that guy just... Not for long periods of time. Yeah, we get him for a game or two, what, and then he's gone for two what weeks. What clicks in your head to where if you're in that situation three times, only once he's going to do what he did. And I don't even mean putting it in the net. I mean trying that move as opposed to curling back and then going up against the boards and holding this or do, and then dump it behind. That's what he should do three out of three times. Yeah, I agree. I guess the only thing I can say about this, he's still relatively young as a hockey player. He did make the NHL at a pretty young age. I believe he was 19 when he stuck in Washington before the trade. That involved Shattenkirk going to Washington and Zach Sanford coming here to St. Louis. So he's still a young man, 24, maybe maybe 25. Mm. And I know that's like, oh, well, he's played a couple of years. That's really young, guys. It's really young. You look at some of the guys that are 27, 28, 29 that are now just now figuring out their game. Uh, so there's runway left here for, for Zach Sanford. I just think the consistency thing comes down to, well, one, the coach is staying on him consistently, the message never changing, and I know that that's actually happening because Steve Ott and Craig Berube, the message never changes for the players, ever. Now, it's how the player interprets it and how the player executes it, and right now the message that Zach Sanford has told us or shown us is that I can't do what you want of me all the time, but you're going to have to, Zach, and so... Last night was a step in the right direction. I'm hoping that it clicked something. He was a little more aggressive. I was worried in the first period he kind of got run over a few times and kind of got bullied out on the ice, and I was mm-hmm. like, dude. I, honestly, I was expecting a point where Zach Sanford had to pull a Bennington almost. You know, not that drastic, but sure. turn and just be like, I've had it, and just grab somebody and just go. And whatever happens, happens. It doesn't matter. Or even if nothing else, go run somebody through the boards. Like, there's got to be some pushback because – 
I can tell you, having been a guy who uh, would mess with people on the ice, the moment I received no pushback from a player, dude, it's like a shark with blood in the water. That's what it is because I'm like, okay, this guy's got no pushback. Guess what? Your life just got even more miserable. You're going after the weak ones. I'm a hundred percent. It's yeah. a total jackass thing to do, and you'd, you'd call it bullying in the real world, right? But <laughs> Not when you get paid, but when you're playing professional <laughs> sports, it's called taking care of business. Yeah. And so I would do that. Now, when that player had pushback, or I'd get run by that player later on, or whatever, I go, okay, all right, I see you. I'm not going to stop doing what I do, but I do know now there's some pushback there. Sure. So that's what I think for Zach Sanford is there has to be that pushback in some shape or form on a on a game to a game to game basis. And you're right, Jeff. He's got to have that ability to get to the net and create offense. We don't expect him to be a 20, 30, 40 goal scorer. No. I do think he has the ability to certainly be a 20 goal scorer, though, consistently. I, I just want to see him perform more this week. I want to see Zach Sanford be a difference maker multiple times in the same week, and I don't think that that's too much to ask. I'm not saying he has to, has to have to have two goals. I'm not saying that he has to have this. But but we need to see that guy out there playing physical and 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 throwing it around at least a little bit. Because if he's not, he's ineffective. I mean, he's really ineffective. At least at least that's the way it appears to me. Well, when you got a guy like uh, Nathan Walker, who by the way, let's let's just. Let's isolate that young man for mm-hmm. a minute, okay? What a game. Yeah. Oh, Ozzy, Ozzy, Ozzy. Oi, 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 oi. He's just working his ass off. He came out, like, right away, first shift. Unfortunately, they had the bad bounce, and it went in. I was like, oh, no. Because I've been that player who's called up, and you get the start, and the coach is looking for a change, and then some greasy thing goes in the net, and you're like, oh, oh my boy, God. Yeah. But credit to Chief. He just let it go. He's like, oh, yeah, that's bad luck. And he kept going back to them. The, the young man was buzzing. He's only, well, he says he's 5'9". I uh-huh. bet he's 5'7". Mm-hmm. Okay? And it was never more evident than the two of uh, him and Mikola going off the ice together at the end of a period. It looked like a father-son game. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, but, but that being said, again, is how much hustle did he have? Remember we talked about that energy that uh, one player could provide? Yeah. He was buzzing. The, the amount, of, the amount of his ice time spent behind the net or in the corners trying to dig a puck out was super impressive. I, mean, I that's, noticed that. That's where I saw him most yeah. of the time. Yeah. yeah, It was a big tell for me when I saw him out there against Carlson or Burns. Yeah. It's a big tell because Craig Berube, if he doesn't want to have so I had something in the Cat here or dog here in my mouth. We do need around. to vacuum in here. Yeah, maybe it's Jeff's beard. <laughs> Jeffrey. Anyways. Um, when you have a young player like that, you try not to put them into a situation to where they can fail. And playing against Eric Carlson and Brent Burns, it's not easy. They're all over the place. They're rovers, and they're very good at it. And, heck, they're two of the best defensemen in the NHL when they're on their game. He left him out there, and the young man did good. In the defensive zone, They did. he never gave up a prime scoring chance. He was always about a stick length away from Eric Carlson. Uh, he communicated with his teammates. They had some good switches. He ended up in the right spot, then got the puck out. And his passes were crisp. You look some of the breakout passes that he made, they were tape to tape and clean exit out of the zone, gave his teammates, his line mates rather, a chance to gain the neutral zone and either get it in or continue from there. That's all I want from right. the guy. Yeah, that earns you another game. Can you talk about Mikola's game last night? 
I love the big man. I do too, man. I do. He makes mistakes. Don't get me wrong. Sure. He, what, what I think of when I see him out there is one of the, and I'm so sorry to interrupt you. I do that all the time. But I I like I want to impart what you say and then I see. You know what I mean? Like you say that he's still growing into his legs. Yeah. So I think of a deer like sometimes. No, baby to, giraffe, Jeff. Or, or a baby giraffe. <laughs> you ever seen a baby sorry. giraffe run? Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> Those suckers are moving, but yeah. they don't look all that pretty. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I learned over the weekend, I woke up uh, Saturday morning, I think it was, my dogs were yelling and stuff, and I look out the front door, and there was a deer in my front yard with a broken or something back right leg, and it was hanging up like this, and it was trying to move along, and it had two two kids with her, and they were moving along, and I was like, ah, crap, that thing's going to go back in the woods behind my house and freaking die, and those kids are going to die, and then I read that they can actually either shed the leg or regenerate it or just let it hang and live a completely normal life. Really? Wow. That was I thought a, you were going to say you had dinner that No, night. no, no. That no. was an emotional roller coaster it for really 30 seconds. It really was. As because is every I weekend with me. Dude, I felt so bad for the deer, and then I was like, the, oh, the deer's going to be okay. Like, Because I, I said deer, better. you said giraffe, <laughs> and I what? thought of the deer. With the right seasoning, you had yourself something good there. I, I'm not against it. I'm just saying I didn't want to lock eyes with it first. <laughs> you had to bring in the kids, though. That, that oh, man, I went walking out there with carrots and everything. You should have raised the kids then. You're that kind of guy. Well, there's paperwork, but there's background checks. Yeah. Anyway, what's the guy's name? Mikola. Mikola. Yes. Mikola. <laughs> all right. We can edit all that. And out. we're back. <laughs> Sorry, Donnie. Sorry. My no, that's no, great. Actually, uh, now I know where to go when it's deer season. So that being said, um, Mikola, uh, he has some, you know, he has some growing to do. Not physically. Well, if he grows physically, we're in for a big surprise. Yeah, we're in for a ride. We're looking for Zidane Ochara back there. Uh, but he does, he will fill out more because he's not a... a big guy but he will fill out more his skating will get stronger he makes some small mistakes on the ice but he competes he plays with with bite to his game too watch him in front he'll go up and just cross check a guy across the forearms and you know guys look at him they're unsure they're like yeah do i do i climb mount everest here or not you know his base his 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 skates remind me of pronger and pareko the way he kind of widens the skates a little bit before he gets in there with people. Oh, you yeah. see him widening his stance, which is brilliant. Love it, it is. It lowers his center of gravity because sometimes the bigger guys have a disadvantage when a smaller guy who's really strong can get good center of gravity. Yeah. Now you're, like, on top of them, and it's a weird situation. Uh, I want to know, uh, before the game last night, uh, 101 had tweeted out that uh, I guess there's rumors that the Schwartz and Pareko injuries might be a little bit worse than had originally thought. Even though I think we all kind of thought the Pareko thing was bad times when we when we first heard it was back. Uh, but can you maybe speak on any of these injuries? Do you know anything about anybody coming back? Or ordinarily, I'd probably have a little more of a inside scoop on it. Uh, but with COVID and the way they protect the players and the limited uh, opportunity to talk with them, and yeah. let's be honest, I'm not picking up the phone. And saying, hey, hey, Prakes, how you doing, buddy? Hey, want to go for a couple cold ones? Right. And how's your back, by the way? Yeah. Like- <laughs> Send him a doll and say, point to where it hurts. <laughs> oh, Jeff. Move on. Yeah. Those dolls were used for you, but different ways. Here we go. Um, as far as Schwartz goes, uh, um, I can't even focus now. <laughs> I think that he's coming back uh, at some point, but 
obviously that was a genius statement. He's coming back at some point. <laughs> God, Jeff's got I'm, me rattled now. Right, it, it happens, Sorry. man. He's, got, I me, to he's got me thinking of the point to the where he touched uh, you right. on the doll. Oh, and I'm like, yeah, oh, my yeah. God, Jeff, That's stop. But, him, but I mean, Schwartz not on the trip, not a great oh, sign. It's not a great sign, but maybe it is, though, because maybe they're going to have all their rehabilitation, everything done. Instead of jacking around and this, that, the other on the road trip, flying on planes and moving around from hotel to plane to rink, Sometimes it's better to leave the guys alone, especially if you know probably little chance that they're going to play in this on this road trip. Let's leave them at home, comfort a bed. You get to the rink with our training staff who's left behind. You skate, you do your thing, whatever you got to do, and by the time we get back, you're good to go. Have you had the? You, have you had back issues during uh, your yeah, playing I career? have had and currently do. It sucks. Yeah. Not only do you have to skate at a high level, but you have to do all the traveling, like you say, on a plane and traveling, buses and stuff like that. The yeah. buses, and everybody's like, oh, yeah, I know, charter planes. Those are so tough. It does get to be a pain in the ass. It's not like sitting at home in a lazy boy chair with the back massager on and, you know, all that stuff. You don't get that. It's it's a nice setup for sure. I don't know. Um, yeah, but they're staying in five-star hotels, dude. This is true. And that's a nice luxury. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. It's nice to get in there and the thread count is off the charts and it's comfy and we cave count. it up and you got all this amazing. You go order room service, $3,000 later for eggs and toast, <laughs> um, which, by the way, was one of my biggest shocks ever is when I was in the NHL, when I got called up to the NHL full time and start making these road trips. You go on the road and yeah. I'm like, chartered flight? Actually, it wasn't. It was a commercial flight at the time because we hadn't been to chartered territory yet. (laughs) But you get to the hotel and you're like, whoa. And it was the Lowe's, Santa Monica in L.A. Remember that dreadful road trip? Mike Keenan called me up, sent me down, called me up, sent me down. So I ended up at the Lowe's, Santa Monica. And the only perk to that is you're right on the beach, right near the pier that goes out. And like the back of your hotel is on the sand. So I was like, I can handle this, at least for the next 12 hours until I get sent down. Right. <laughs> but the first lesson I learned about those hotels was I was like, this is, you know what, breakfast in the morning, I'm just going to get up. I'm going to have room service. i got this little thing I can fill out, put it on the door handle, and uh, I'm good to go. So, yeah, at, uh, you know, whatever time it was, 7.30, 8 o'clock, so... room service. Okay, walk over, open the door. It's presented wonderfully. I sign the little thing. Don't even look at it. You know, sign the little thing. So I'm like, this is great. So anytime I wanted a snack, anything at all, I'm ordering like, whatever. Bring me a piece of toast. Bring me a side salad. I'll just take a Coke. Instead of getting off my dumb ass (laughs) and walking down to get one, all this stuff, right? Checkout time comes. Still feeling pretty good about myself. Actually, no, I wasn't feeling good about myself at this point because I'd just been sent down to the miners. And so paychecks change too, right? They literally get cut into like a sliver of what you make. And I'm checking out and they're like, that's uh, okay. All we have here is an outstanding uh, bill about 500 and some dollars uh, before you check out to settle up. I go, oh, I go, we don't pay for the rooms. I'm like, the team covers the rooms. (laughs) She's like... This isn't the room, sir. <laughs> <laughs> the food was consumed in the room, but it's not the part of the room. <laughs> and the mini bar that's in there. I didn't think a little vodka was going to cost me like $17. Oh, my God. And I had a couple, few too many um, of those. But, <laughs> yeah, so it was a life lesson quickly to go, okay, um, <clears throat> we're living this lifestyle. Yes. Uh, but now we know what the expectations are. 
Uh, so that was a, that was a big thing to learn uh, when you go on the road and it's a five star hotel. The other funny thing to do though, guys, and this is here we go off the rails a little bit again, but come with me on this journey. Sure, yeah, I'm yeah. In. I've got a bag packed. Don't worry. There you go. You always do. That's <laughs> always weird. when I'm with you. It always has tools and saws and hammers. <laughs> Anyways, um, chloroform. Chlor- <laughs> Yo, he asked me Move the other day. Move on. He asked me the other day. He's like, hey, you got a runny nose. Let me get that for you. I was like, no. <laughs> I'll let it go. Thank you. Anyways, that being said, uh, you get on the road as a rookie, and I just told you guys, you fill out that little breakfast card, you know, and you put the time and what you want, and they bring it to you because they go around at like midnight at night and collect them all off the doors, and they, they have it ready for the morning. It's fantastic preparation, and it's great for you in the morning to wake up to that You don't have to call or think or nothing and just roll off to the end of the bed or over to the table, whatever. Well, as a rookie, you learn that veteran guys, sometimes they order your breakfast for you. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. So you get the knock in the morning. It's like 4.45 a.m. Oh, boy. I'm like, what the hell? I'm walking in. Like, eyes are squinting. Probably still smell a little bit like beer. Yeah. Because of that guy bumping into you and accidentally spilling beer on you, you still smell like beer. Yeah, those people throwing beer on us for no reason at all. Um, Open the door. There's a guy standing there with a big tray. I mean, like, everything on the menu, almost. I'm like, who's this for? Like, Mr. Rivers? I'm like, yeah. It's your room service. You are. I'm like, I didn't order this. He pulls out the ticket. He's like, right here, sir. I'm like, come on in. Bring it in. They, the somebody else, one of the veterans, had filled out the card and put it on my door. And this was always the, the joke, is you go in there and you take your card and you hide it, basically, mm-hmm. right? Or you call down to the room, the room service and say, "I do not want any breakfast. I had somebody do this to me last time, so and don't do it." But you have to learn about that. I was a rookie, right? right. Yeah. And so I had this spread, gentlemen. For like it, ten people could have eaten <laughs> oh, breakfast. No. The breakfast bill alone was like four hundred dollars. <laughs> oh man! And I was like, son of. Uh... So then, of course, I fired back and got a few other guys too with it. Although they still don't know what happened because they were veteran players that I had thought were the ones that did it. Meaning Jeff Cortnell being one of them, and Mark Bergevin the other. They also got uh, nice buffet breakfasts uh, a couple times on different road trips. Wow. I can't. That, and that's a whole nother show right there, just the way you guys would mess with each other on the road. And you go to the front desk, because we had roommates at the time, right? And so you'd find out on the list who the primary roommate was, the name on each room. So a guy like Courtney would be rooming with Holly at the time, and I'd walk up, and the people at the front desk don't know. And I would say, I'd say, I'm... Hey, I'm Jeff Cortnell. I just, while I'm passing by here, I'd like to set a wake-up call before I forget. Can you get a wake-up call for 5 a.m. room 417? Uh, and then maybe a follow-up at like 520. I have a hard time. <laughs> I have a hard time falling back. To, I have a hard time getting up, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yes, sir, Mr. Cortnell. Thank you. Room 417. Yes, thank you so much. And you go up and then the dudes like Holly and Courts oh, would get a man. wake-up call at 5 a.m. Oh, man. Oh, oh yeah. Man. Crazy. Yeah. I love, and also too, I just love any conversation that involves breakfast food. Yeah. Just in general, I are just you like a thinking about it. Breakfast, or are you a late morning breakfast? I'm a guy that has to eat as soon as I get up. I, I, I yeah, but do you like the big breakfast then? So, like when you yes. get up, I know you get up early. 
Are you the like right away like eggs, toast, bacon? On the weekends, yes. And during the week, I get up too early to do any of that stuff. But on the weekends, I have to eat as soon as I wake up. Yes, and I love like today. I had scrambled eggs and I had a bagel with some cream cheese and a blood orange. As soon as I get up, I have to eat that sort of thing. I uh, see. I gotta. I gotta have a little time to percolate. Like yeah. I'll take the dog out. I'll like kind of get the kids set, and then I'll I'll I'll, I'll put something together. What you know what you? I mean? I'm a late morning breakfast. Like I'll get up and I I don't eat usually in the morning. I just for whatever reason I just don't. I'm not hungry for most part, and usually I've got a million things to do. So I'm like, oh, I'll catch you later, hunger. Right. And off I go. But then two hours later, two and a half hours later, if you tempt me with like a IHOP or a Denny's or heck, even a Waffle House and be like, we're going to go grab some breakfast and it's all out or first watch one of those oh, places, right? Oh. I'm in and I'm all in. I'm like three eggs over medium, uh, bacon, hash brown. Mm, I'll throw a couple of pancakes in there and an orange juice and a coffee. And I just gorge on breakfast. I love it, but not right away in the morning. Have yeah, you guys ever done Original Pancake House in the in the, I guess it's Chesterfield there? No. Yes, I have. Oh, yes, I dude. have. You there was a time you needed to know somebody to get in there, but now with the No Wait app or whatever it is, dude, it's like being in a ski resort when you go in there. It's cool. Yeah, like what do you mean? Really, like what do you mean? Just like the feel of yeah, it? Yeah, just whatever? the vibe of it. But it's like I mean, a cabin it, chalet yeah. type feel to it. And if you're an OJ person, I mean, they have it freshly, you know, brewing right there. They got a little. You mean uh, you mean the juice? Yes, the juice. Okay. Yes, yeah. Well, I don't not, want to be confused that you're an OJ person. No, no, no. I am certainly not. I mean, that at, stuff at will kill you. Yeah. We will go there as a group when we celebrate our one millionth pod- I like podcast. I like it. I like it a lot. Dark, I just dark. didn't know if this was going into an OJ Simpson thing, and then I was well, like, I just wanted to make that clear because okay. Jess said if you're an OJ fan, yeah, right, yeah. right. Like, well, I don't know no, if we no. uh... OJ Anderson, big fan by the OJ way. OJ Anderson, big fan. Yes. I follow him on Twitter. He's a good follow. OJ, you mean Otis Anderson? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The big red running back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, New York Giant running back. And right. All that. Yeah, Boy, yeah. this has got me going in circles. I'm not going really to is. But the deer, honestly, it can survive because the back leg. I wonder, do they eat it? Do they gnaw it off or does it heal? I don't know. I can't oh, imagine. I, don't know. I, I think it either just kind of dies and just hangs and there. And they just adjust? I guess so, I would yeah. think that would be okay for a front leg, but the back leg, I feel like... You would need that more. Like, yeah. I don't know. It's like that balance thing. I think the, oh, well. I think it may be like uh, th- this whole fisheries and wildlife thing is maybe not an avenue that we should pursue. You don't think so? <laughs> I named her Eileen, by the way. <laughs> All right. Well, here's, guys, we have... A stack of emails. We got a bunch since we've done the podcast on Friday. And then we still have a couple left over from last week, including the kind of the 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 Seattle Kraken expansion draft question that was posed to us yeah, last baby. time as well. So, guys, how do you want to go about tackling these emails? You want to go with the Kraken first and work backwards? Or we want to do the Kraken last? No, we'll do the expansion draft after emails. All I right. think that that would be a fun thing to do. All right, very good. All right, so let's go to uh, Justin. Uh, Justin says, Hello, fellas. First off, just wanted to say love the podcast and everything you guys do. I came across a series on ESPN Plus called Quest for the Stanley Cup, and I wanted to see if you guys have watched it. Would love to hear your opinions on it if you have. And if not, just wanted to put it out there uh, for you guys and other Blues fans to enjoy. There are three seasons starting with the Caps run in 2018, and the latest covers the bubble playoffs last year. Without spoiling too much, it gives some great behind-the-scenes footage and a lot of not-safe-for-work locker room coverage, not like that, calm down, Jeff. 
Hopefully, Jamie uh, gets some perks from ESPN and has a subscription that that, uh, he will let you guys borrow. If not, I'll send you mine. Just don't tell my wife. Keep up the great work. That's from Justin. And he's he's actually talking about my time in the janitorial field. (laughs) Very, very. very, I I did some plumbing for a while. I just want to see how it was set up. Or all the interviews you used to do just standing outside the shower. I would never. That's how we met, actually, isn't it? Those were gripping. I haven't seen this. I l- listen one time. <laughs> listen, I haven't seen it, but I will. It's just when you guys start to laugh at each other that way. Yeah, that's when I'm like, I don't know what to do. Should yeah. I encourage more I of the laughter just, or yeah. just plow right through? I'm here for the laughter. I saw the Washington one that he was talking about. That that was pretty good. But that's the only one I've seen. Yeah, I will definitely. I've watch. seen a couple of them. They're good. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have an ESPN subscription. Imagine that. I work at ESPN and what I don't have one. The only reason that I do though a, is because I what? can help you. You may send an email to somebody. Anybody. All right. Well, the only reason even that we have it is because it's wrapped into the Disney Hulu bundle. Yeah. yeah, You know what I mean? So, like, we get Disney Plus. Do you work for ESPN? I do not. I do. The one station you don't work for. Oh, yeah. I don't have it. I'm in tears. Yeah, that feels like something they should change. We'll come by the house sometime. (laughs) I've been there. You're just never home. Guys, this is from Andy. No, this is how he started. <laughs> Guys, first off, I love the podcast. I travel s- several days a week and look forward to the podcast for the quote-unquote witty banter and the hockey insight from Mr. Rivers. I'm not saying I'm more of a fan than anyone else, but I do get physically ill when the Blues lose a game, in particular when they were a- the better team. And I might have made a small hole in a hotel wall when Sanford had that turnover in game one against the Kings. So did Sanford. <laughs> the move to picture now, all is good. But anyway, with all the injuries, and if more Blues end up on the long-term IR, is there any cap space to add a player? Nashville is actively shopping Ekholm and Forsberg, and every veteran Ranger is on the block. I would think Sanford, Dunn, and Hoffman would be very desirable trade pieces, especially in the uh, freer skating East. Thoughts? Again, love the show. Thanks for the response. That's from Andy. And and I would throw the name Jeff Skinner on that list because I know I texted oh you about Jeff God. Skinner. Because I know, I know. What's but, with you and Skinner? Just, can I just, can I finish? Yeah. Is that because I've I've liked him since he entered the league, and I know from a money standpoint that none of this stuff can happen. I get that, or maybe I'm wrong, but that's my thought. But what happens to a guy like a Skinner that was so that did so well that all of a sudden you put fall? on a team that can't support you? Is that what it is? Was so he in Buffalo for forever? No, he's been in Carolina where he yeah, was very Carolina successful since okay. like he was fifteen or something. And Carolina like that. played a very good system; they were well coached. And this is not a, a knock on Ralph Kruger, who is the current Buffalo Sabers coach. But man, they've been in transition for four or five years to where they don't even know they don't know what the hell they are. Yeah. They've got Jack Eichel who doesn't know what the hell he's doing. I mean, he's a great player, but are we building with this guy? Now they're talking about trading him possibly to in the right situation. They've signed Jeff Skinner to a deal that heck, that somebody like Vladdy Tarasenko or Sidney Crosby should have signed. Not Jeff Skinner. And now he's been a healthy scratch is the reason why I brought him up. Yeah, because he can't perform with the line mates that he's got. He's not playing as well as he did, and he was never that kind of a player. So they screwed up by giving him all that money, and now the expectations are through the roof, and they're like probably sitting there going, wow, how do we get out from under a player like this? Well, you're going to have to buy him out. It's so crazy because obviously I'm a, a huge Buffalo Bills fan, and the Pagulas own both the Bills and the Sabers. They're doing a better job with the Bills right now. Man, I'll tell you that. Much. It's it's so crazy the schism that you read from fans up there that are like, how can you be doing? How could they have done the exact right things with the Bills, which seemingly they've done and built up in 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 a great way, and with the Sabers. 
they've been trying, but it's just the exact opposite. It just seems like that will never get better. And that sucks because that old saber sweater, like, oh, is just freaking classic. Not just because of that, but I feel like they're a great town that deserves a good hockey team. They're, they're a great hockey town. For sure. They've got a lot of passionate fans, just like the Bills fans. Maybe not quite as sideways as the Bills fans, which I respect 100%. Trust me. But they're, they, they're in this, this loop of, of terribleness to where they make one good move, two bad moves. Make two good moves, one bad move. And they never, right now, they're never climbing out of the hole because they just can't consistently figure out what they're going to be. What they need to do is just tear that thing down. Tear it down. Keep Jack Eichel. Okay, so you're keeping Eichel. You're not getting rid of Eichel. No, he's a, he's the same age as McDavid. He's a young guy. He's one of the best players in the NHL. I'm keeping that guy. But are you going to have to convince him to stay through another rebuild? Well, yeah, but I don't have to convince him anything. He's on like another. He's on eight year deal. Okay, so well, he's there. So he wants to go sit at home. I guess go ahead, sit at home. Okay, fine. Otherwise, you'd be the captain of a team that in two or three years, hopefully, were at the top of the food chain in the Eastern Conference. Right now, it's just ugly. What's really what's ugly. the mindset of a teammate of Jack Eichel's right now? Of like a guy that plays with Jack, yeah, about Jack or the team? No, the team. Sorry, the team itself. Like, do are you aware as a player on the team that man, we're going to get torn down, or man, there's we're really in transition, or man, that that's got to be mental, just terrorism. It's it's tough, and then you have a bad game, and then you read the newspapers or the online social media, whatever. Yeah, you're in a tough spot where. Basically, your team stinks, and you're a part of that team. So guess what? You stink. Right. I mean, that's just the way it is. Uh, the goaltender position has been a struggle for them. Our good buddy Carter Hutton has done a lot of good things there, but then they've gotten rid of defensemen, and they've you know, spoiled some good years on young defensemen, and they haven't held on to certain players who are free agents. They've went and signed other guys to deals that are just off the charts, and now they can't move them. They literally need to, one, the expansion draft, they're going to have to find a way to get rid of Jeff Skinner. They're going to have to sell him basically to the Kraken, which means, hey, we'll tie a second-round draft pick to Jeff Skinner if you take him. Wow. You know, just take him, please, because we can't afford to to keep this player on our roster. It's going to be interesting to see how how Buffalo tries to redo this. Man, oh, man. Gentlemen, uh, a couple questions about the new breakdown for the division. One, since the new breakdown of the divisions and the same teams playing against each other constantly, it feels like the other divisions may have easy opponents while the Blues have harder opponents. My point being, the new Honda West division has most of the teams around the 50-win percentage while other divisions see a larger swing of percentages. Do you think that Honda West has more well-rounded teams compared to the other divisions? Uh, if this is the case, will the Honda West teams have a better shot at the finals compared to the other teams? I love that we're using Honda West Division. I've I love tra- that email about the Honda West. Yes, don't you? I love yeah. it. Honda West Division is. We'll call uh, that the Honda West email today. There we go. Say, Honda yeah. West email. <laughs> I've been working this Honda angle for I don't even know now a month and a half. Every time I say it on the fast, I'm like, it's the Honda West Division. They're like, Jamie, nobody's calling you. Right. I'm like, I don't You're care. You're not getting yet. a free car, buddy. I'm yet. trying. Yet. Right? They're, so they're saying there's a chance. Yeah. All right. Uh, so the Honda West Division was supposed to be four-team race. That's what it was. Everybody at the start of the season was like, oh, the Blues, it's an easy division. It's going to come down to the Avalanche, the Wild, the Blues, and the Golden Knights. Everybody else is going to suck. They're not. That is not the case. <laughs> Coyotes didn't get the memo. 
The Kings didn't get the memo. The Ducks didn't get the memo. San Jose kind of got the memo. But <laughs> San Jose actually wrote the memo. Yeah, San Jose might have been the, uh, the, the original email on that one. Now, that being said, they still play hard. They've got a coach in Bob Bugner and with Mike Ricci as an assistant and Rocky Thompson. There's a, a lot of uh, blue-collar uh, coaching behind the bench there. And so that team's just not going to give up. We've seen it. They've been a pain in the ass this year. So well, Rocky Thompson. Yeah. That sounds like somebody on the Weather Channel. No. <laughs> telling me the snow in Colorado. No. Rocky Thompson. Rocky Thompson is a stone-cold killer. Okay. Tell me who he is because I love the name. Is what I'm he came to say. in the league a couple of years after I did, and he fought every single game. He had this long hair, and he fought, and it's nuts. You go YouTube just for fun. Go YouTube Rocky Thompson hockey fights. You will be like, holy crap, this guy's a nutcase. Why did I? Why don't we know? Was it a short career? Yeah, he oh, played okay. mostly in the minors. Okay, um, a little cup of coffee in the NHL. When in the NHL, he fought everybody. I mean, he fought Stu Grimson and gave it to Grimson one of his first fights. And Grimmer was like, "What the hell just happened?" To me? <laughs> so who was that? Guy? He's not a Thompson guy. He's not a big guy, but he had a switch that would go off and. Uh, one of the nicest guys. I played with him twice uh, in the minors. In my stint in Florida, I got sent down because Mike Keaton. That's just what he does to sure. me. Sure. And Rocky was in San Antonio, and then again here, uh, at the end of my career when the Blues sent me down in my last year, uh, Rocky was playing in Peoria. So I'm very, very friendly, good friends with Rocky Thompson. He's a hell of a guy, but he's a guy that is just an absolute nutcase. You did not, you didn't cross him on the ice. You, you, gotcha. you okay. just let it go. All right, so he back would to follow you down now, the sorry. tunnel and fight you in the tunnel. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Great. So, so anyway, so he's part of that team. Yes. Okay. That's where you were going. No. Oh, you weren't? No. Oh. Yes, I was. I okay. just wanted to see what you'd say. So. And sweating again. <laughs> All I meant was that that team, the San Jose Sharks, is going to be a hardworking team because they'll be called out on it because their coaches were hardworking, tough guys. And so the the Honda West division is turned out to be one of the hardest divisions. And so everybody who thought this was going to be a cakewalk for four teams, it's not. And now the Blues have figured out, as well as everybody else, that this is going to be a grind. And I honestly think that the toughest players overall are in the Honda West division. I think percentage-wise with the biggest, strongest, toughest fighters, you name it, most aggressive guys are in this division. Man, hey, I want to take just a, a brief thing off the off the emails for a second because something popped into my mind in HL hamsters back. Uh, this story about Panarin and the New York Rangers. Oh boy. Have you heard this, yeah, Jeff? That's crazy. crazy. So if crazy. you have not heard the story, uh Panarin for the Rangers has taken a leave of absence because he is being accused in Russia of physically assaulting a woman in a bar a number of years ago. Mm-hmm. However, the hook to this story is that there is no one that reportedly saw it actually happen outside of from what I, I thought could have possibly been a shove with somebody that was on his team at the time. But even the shove is very debated at this point. But it comes out a week after. These allegations came a week after Panarin on Instagram made a social media post uh, praising Navalny, who is a Pu- a huge Putin critic, who is now in jail in Russia. Oh, imagine that! So they mm. think that this is that this is this poor guy is is being. So the thing about this that is amazing to me is he's in the states. He's not going back there, obviously, to answer charges. So he's not coming back here. But they know the Russian government knows that his family is over there. That his so they. 
I mean, how does a situation like this, Jamie, how does it, dude, how does it possibly work itself out? <laughs> I mean, I don't even know if that's even the right term, but dude, like, I'm reading this and I'm thinking to myself, how does this kid, his head has to be six ways from Sunday worrying about everything that's going on at home. There's so many folds to the story. Beside, but, but, you know, you could say, hey, why is he posting stuff political when he knows that there could be backlash, freedom of speech? Then there's also his personal safety, then any of his family's personal safety. Then if you say, hey, look, he has the right to do that and he wants to come back and play, then it's the team's safety. And then when you're in a stadium, then it's everybody there's safety because of what could happen with these people. How do you deal with something like that? Well, Okay, so this is a really tricky one. Um, Obviously, you guys know, and I'm sure our listeners know, I spent a year in Russia. Yeah. And I saw saw the way things get handled. And it's different than over here. It's very, very different. And I also saw a, um, a population of people that either love the current government in place or they're against it. If you're against it, Life is very difficult for you over there, whether it is one thing or another. It's not a good way to go in Russia. And so Panarin, who is a superstar over in Russia, like a god, he voices displeasure with the current regime. And then the current regime says, oh, well, we need to teach him a lesson. Right. So here's how we're going to do it. And Andre Nazarov played in Boston with me. And he's a coach over in the KHL, and he's very connected to the Putin regime. Well, he just fabricates a story that, you know, uh, Artemi Panarin punched an 18-year-old girl in the face back in 2011. And that he personally paid 40,000 euro to the police to make it go away. So right there I was like, okay, you basically just said you guys are paying off cops. The cops are corrupt apparently, and there's no receipt at this, right? It's not like, oh, by the way, can you give me a receipt for that 40,000 sure. euro? Yeah, just PayPal me. So how can you even prove that it happened? And now they've dug in deeper where Panarin, uh, the hotel that he, they were at, said this never happened. And that the bar that it happened in says they have zero recollection of it ever happening. And so now it's all this like pointing fingers. But meanwhile, the Rangers have lack of better words, hidden Panarin for the time being because people go missing. It's crazy. I, and it, it, listen, this is just me noticing things, and I don't know if it would happen or not, but there have been people that uh, bad things happen one way or another, coincidentally or not. So the safest thing right now, and to your point, Don, is get his head put on straight, see what the family's doing back in Russia. I think the only way to, to fight this is to give it the exposure it needs is to make sure that, you know, Panarin in hiding or whatever it is does a full-scale interview in the Russian papers or the radio or the TV, and then obviously they follow it up over here. The more publicized this gets, that means if something squirrely happens along the way, then you know where to look Mm -hmm. type thing. It doesn't mean you'll be able to do anything about it, uh, but it's a squirrely situation. That's the only thing I can say about it. I. I don't want to dive too deep into yeah. it because it was just like, again, I played there for a year and they know everything they find like I, they might listen to this podcast. I don't know. And so it's just a, a weird situation. It just shows how intense uh, political parties are over in Russia that one political party would want 
such an advantage or want to go after, uh, whether it be with charges or whatever, bad press for a guy like Panarin because he voiced his support of somebody different. It's a wacky situation. It's unprecedented for the NHL. The last time they had something like this was Pavel Bure had um, mafia guys chasing him around when he defected from Russia to come over to play hockey, and so they had to hide him for a number of well, weeks. And, hopefully he was on skates when they were chasing because they wouldn't have caught him. Yeah, <laughs> and, which is crazy now because he's back in Russia and he's a god back there again. So it's, uh, it's a weird situation that, you know, I mean, it is what you see right now in the papers is pretty much what everybody knows. I, I feel kind of dumb about it because a bunch of years ago, uh, I've always been a very big Alexander Ovechkin fan. I just really enjoy watching that guy play. And it was a bunch of years ago that he came out and, and, and made a statement that was very pro-Putin. And it was really bothersome to me as a fan of his. And then I started thinking, you know, like an adult about why he would do that. Mm -hmm. And I go, well, you know what? If I'm him, I'm probably doing the exact same thing. Do you know the treatment he gets back in Russia? Well, I mean, he's. I would assume he is. It's it's incredible. I mean, I would assume he's almost at Putin level. Pretty much. I mean, he has security that follow him around everywhere. Uh, Anything he needs, he makes one phone call. It happens. Alexander Ovechkin, he's set. Like, he's set for life financially, but he's set. He goes back to Russia. That dude is going to, I mean, he's going to have a statue somewhere. But that said, though, that would change if he came out opposed to Putin. 100%. A hundred. I mean, it would change like that. It would. Unfortunately, that's where that society is. Right. Um, and let's look at Putin has, has a, a wide, wide fan base over Russia. And there's a small group that, you know, are against him, but... If you're on his side and he you're under his umbrella, uh, you're set, man. Yeah. I just hate watching him play hockey. Somebody should tell him that he sucks. Because he does. Who, Putin? Putin, yeah. When he like plays in those celebrity games and you see him like... You know what? I should have just referenced that right away. Instead of this whole diatribe of trying to make sense of it to where I myself am trying to get into my car without it exploding. Right. I was going to say, I'm, I'm feeling safe right now. Let's move on. Yeah. I, I should have just said... All you need to know is how everybody lets him score like eight goals a game when he plays <laughs> right, in those games. Right. And the dude can barely skate. Right. That's another thing. Because I'm watching him out there and I'm like, dude, I am not that much worse than you. Like, for real. Did you see where he tripped over the carpet that one time? Yes. <laughs> he was going, giving the wave to all the people and they had rolled out the red carpet for like the presentation and he wasn't paying attention. And he, poof, two, like, double foot hit the carpet, down he goes. Slava Fatisov is there, and he's like trying to pick him up. And I was like, "Oh boy, oh somebody, man, that guy who rolled out the carpet uh-huh. <laughs> probably unemployed." Done, yeah, probably. done. All right, back to the emails. This one from Matt. Hey, gents, great job on the last minute Blues podcast. The Blues power play is driving me crazy. They seem to be running the exact same set play every time. Uh, that being passes back and forth to Perron and Hoffman on the dots for a possible one timer. Everybody in the arena knows what's coming. The opposing teams are all over this. We need some. Variety. Variety. Have a good show. That's from Matt. P.S. Jamie, will we ever see the St. Charles Chill or something similar back in the area again? I could tell you I got a hat. You could see that. Uh, St. Charles Chill hat. A couple of hoodies still that look good. <laughs> uh, <a> great as, <laughs> logo. Is it really Somebody is. Somebody with a great mind designed that. As, uh, as far as the power play from yesterday evening's game, I believe the directive was get bodies in front of the net 70 and then just throw pucks at the net. And I believe we talked about that. Uh, that the the mindset was going to change as mm-hmm. opposed to waiting for the perfect shot. Let's get pucks at the net, and at least for our game, it, it, well, it was happening at least. Yeah, I mean that's the only thing you can do: traffic to the front of the net, get bodies to the front of the net, 
And there's so many pucks that if you watch the highlights every night, if you have the NHL network or you have a different package or something where you can see all the highlights every night, watch how many goals are off of rebounds or deflections in front of the net. And when I say rebounds, it could be off a player. It could be off two players. The puck changes direction. All of a sudden it's on somebody's tape and it's in. Look at Evander Kane last night. Mm. His goal, bingo, bango, bongo. Oh, there he is. Puts a top shelf and he scores. That wasn't a pretty play. If he would have gotten a hat trick, I'd have been so upset. I'm gonna say this right now. Mm. I know. I don't either. I don't freaking like that guy. Yeah, I do. I don't like it when he opens. I know open. you do. Well, I, know. I understand I know why. I don't, like, I don't like playing against him. How's that? Listen, I'd like to break a stick <laughs> over the back of his legs. There's yes. no doubt about yeah, it. This is what That's, we're saying. We're saying yeah, the same thing. Yeah, yeah. He's a great player. I completely get that. But and I wish he was on my team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's where I'm at with it. Is if I, I, I picture him in a Blues jersey, and I'm like, oh my god. Imagine him on O'Reilly and Perron's line. Oh, my God. Like, Ruby talks about, like, getting that four-check, that guy to go in and get the pucks. and Yeah. Are you saying he, they're, they're working on getting him? I'm Is that what you're new, saying? I'm going to need new pants. I need a new I need a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> and what about – and you know what, though? I do want to – I did think this was a great follow-up, though. Uh, what about St. Charles Chill or, or something like that? Do you yeah. foresee maybe a minor league team? No, I don't. Uh, okay, let me – okay, let me rephrase that. I don't see a minor, minor league team to where it was like the East Coast League or at the time the Central Hockey League or the Southern Professional Hockey League that they pop up here and there. That's just the, the St. Charles Chill uh, was a tough first season for the franchise itself, but it was working. And where by the end of the season, we were like third or fourth in attendance overall for average attendance. And that was huge steps because, Jeff, you were a part of that with me. Mm-hmm. And we started off and there would be, you know, a couple of hundred people in the crowd. Right. Near the end of it, we're getting, you know, 2,000, 2,400, 2,500 people in the building to watch a team that was losing. I mean, it's your first year in the league. It's not like the expansion draft in the NHL where you just go and you get to pick a good player off every team. It doesn't happen. So you've got to go digging in every crevice of the world to find a hockey team. But the team itself still was improving at the time. I don't think that model will work in St. Louis because everybody is so fortunate to have the Blues and they're fortunate to have the Cardinals. And, you know, if you're going to have something more to support, it's going to be difficult. Where I do think it works, okay, I think that eventually the St. Louis Blues should move their American Hockey League team to St. Louis. And the reason I say that is there's so much cost that can be cut down. And this was what I tried to do a long time ago in talking to people, is the Family Arena is a great venue. It's in St. Charles. So you're not competing with your St. Louis Blues. The demographic is different based upon your ticket prices. And then you already have a staff of people down at Enterprise. Designate one or two of those people that they handle the ticket sales for St. Charles Chill. So you don't even need to create a staff. All you need is a building that has ice available, which it does. Got it. And then... Think about your costs that are cut down for call-ups. Hey, we're calling you up for a practice, a game, a this or that. It's get, an Uber. Get in your car <laughs> yeah. and drive. Yeah. And so they drive, you know, well, straight down 40, jump off. There it is. Here we go, practice. Or if not, they just drive over five minutes because most of the players at that point would live in that St. Charles area. The Centene Community Ice Service is right there. Ice Center is right there. You see, Barube could say, hey, come in for the game. Grab me a a pack of smokes on the way. You know? (laughs) He doesn't smoke, but if he did. Yeah, if he (laughs) was to pick up that particular horrible uh, horrible device. And to to, uh, piggyback on what you said over there about the St. Charles Chill, what you did with the patchwork of a roster nearly every night. 
because it was such a, a shoestring budget that players came and went a lot because it's not like they were losing a bunch of money if they disappeared for a little while. Well, and we had injuries. And a I, lot of know, injuries, Some too. of the best yeah. players that I was able to recruit and bring in were season-ending. We had 62 different players that had played on our roster throughout that season. Remember, oh there was a lot of, lot of in and out. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and yeah. so, again, it's not like you have a full scouting staff to go and say, hey, these players here right now are playing in pro league over here or they're in college or they're playing in junior hockey and these are guys we're going to sign in the future. No, you're literally – I'm going through the hockey reference page, elite prospects, and I'm trying to find somebody with good numbers – and then I'm calling their agent and finding out where that player is. Is he available? It was it was tough. It was tough. The time. only tougher thing I think about that uh, about especially game day was uh, pronouncing their names as the PA guy. <laughs> trying to remember who the heck it was. Yeah. No, do you know just pronouncing their names because there was a guy on the on the chill. Is it Perticaro? Is that Perticaro? Yeah, Perticaro. And the first time he got a penalty, which that wasn't his first time ever getting a penalty. I said uh, I said it completely different. He came and he goes, "It's Perticaro." Like, oh, sorry. My apologies. I, I didn't see the, the mispronunciation on ESPN last night. You yeah, well, Jeff, I mean? you need to do better, period. All right. Okay. okay. Back to you, Donnie. <laughs> uh, uh, this, would come in, that way. <laughs> this would come in from Robert. Uh, love the show, guys. As a true blues fan since 1970, uh, get ready for the beeper. Okay. Uh, that is bull. Sorry about the language. These are fair weather fans. They're talking about uh, firing Coach Berube BS. Oh, okay. uh, these are fair weather fans that have become fans since they won the cup. And as you said, have a low hockey IQ. I don't care for the reverse jerseys, but not that, but not that dumb to think that's the reason. Uh, that being said, while playing sports in general when I was younger, Jamie, does superstition still exist with the players? Keep it up. You guys are fantastic. And that is from Bob. You know what, Bob? You're fantastic too. Yeah, he is. Hey, you are, Bob. Meh. Bobo. 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 And the answer to the question is? Which was the question again? <laughs> the question was. I got so involved was in it. Was it that long of a question? Jamie, does superstition still exist with <laughs> oh, the players? I thought there was more than that. I thought there's. Di- okay. Uh, yeah, the superstitions exist in every walk of life, right? I'm sure there's things that you guys do that are maybe not superstitions, but they're habits that you do before you go on the air, before you do... When we walked in the building today together, I was behind you, so you didn't see it, but every time when I walk in, I have, you know, the little carpet on the left-hand side of our lobby? I have to go over there and take three steps before I go into the, the to the other door. You're a psychopath. Yeah, well, that's part of this thing, jerk yeah. face, is what I'm talking about, is that we have our things that we do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. players have the same thing, whether they tape their stick a certain way, whether they get dressed a certain way, where, what number of person they are on the way out as far as, you know, who gets in front of you, who you tap the pet. There, dude, there are so many guys that I don't even know how they do it. I got to the point in my career, I was like, I'm not going to have any superstitions. Now maybe that was a superstition, that could be. Yeah. <laughs> okay? But uh, but then I would be brought in to be a part of other guys' superstitions. So like in Detroit, I love, you love Detroit, oh Jeff. My gosh. But like Henrik Zetterberg would want me to walk in front of him, so he'd come over and tap me on the shin pads, and then tap him on the shin pads, and I'd walk in front of him as we went out to the ice. Okay, I guess so. So I became a part of his superstition, but I guess it kind of became mine too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He drugged me into this, you son of a. (laughs) But it was things like that that, you know, and near the end, I, no rhyme or reason. I just grab a stick, tape it with whatever white, black tape, didn't care. Uh, Getting stuff on, I didn't care how I put it on because I didn't want to be consumed by the, the amount of energy that it takes. Like Sidney Crosby, this guy's off the charts with superstitions. And. 
I don't even know how he has enough energy at the end of the day to play hockey because of all the things he has to make sure he has to check all the boxes before he can play. And if he doesn't check one the right way, oh, my God, got to go back and do it again. I'm like, oh, my. I got so in, clearly, it's working for him. I got in my yeah, head Maybe really I bad. should have had a couple of <laughs> <laughs> I got in my head this year about wearing a particular Bills shirt on game day. And then, like, I then I had convinced myself towards the end of the season that, no, it was just superstition. It didn't matter what I wore. But then I, Mary got me this new Bills shirt. And every week that I wore it, they won. So I didn't stop wearing it. Were Did we you washing wash it? <laughs> yes, yes. No, I was washing. Tell the truth. I can, we'll no, call no. Mary. Hey, man, I I'm kind of a clean guy. I can't. I didn't do say you were a dirty guy, but no, if it's I a superstition, know. a lot of times a superstition goes with I'm not going to wash this. I get I, it. Or, That's a great I could, point. Yeah. I just couldn't have that superstition. If it if it ends up me being funky, I can't do that. Um, but I ended up getting back into the same habit, and we'll probably again do it next year. Uh, another email from Travis here. Hey, guys, I'm not calling any of you ladies. Greetings from a St. Louis boy in Cincinnati. Love the podcast. I started getting really into hockey around when the Blues made the run to the conference finals in 2016. I love watching, and I think I picked up quite a bit, uh, but I don't have the eye for it that you old guys who have watched it forever here have. Thank you. Take that personal. <laughs> I hear you guys talk a lot about what's going on away from the puck, and I try to pay attention to that. But it's Especially with the TV broadcast following the puck around, I find it hard. Is there anything I can do to improve how I watch the game? Also, what's the best way to get into the finer points of the game? Like what types of formations teams run and why, etc.? Is that something people just understand if they've played and don't if they haven't? The podcast is one of the highlights of my week. I really love being able to hear people that really know a lot about the game talk. It sure beats reading all the crap people put on social media. Plus, I love hearing how highly Jamie <laughs> talks to St. Louis. Keep it up and let's go Blues. Those are some really great questions, man. It is. Um, so, yeah, for the casual fan who wants to learn more, YouTube's a great tool. Go to YouTube, and if you hear a buzzword, if you hear a 131, like we just talked about, go to YouTube and punch in how to play a 131 in hockey. Somebody somewhere has made a video and they've broken it down or they've shown it, and it'll help you with that. Uh, you know, I haven't done any of that. I, I do now do the film room. Uh, before Blues games. Which is awesome, yeah, by the fantastic. way. fantastic. And, yeah. so, and also, too, your suit game, fantastic. I meant to tell you that last right time. Now, huh? yeah, yeah, man, yeah. yeah. Well done, Shannon. Thank you. It's a rental. I had to have it back by, <laughs> by noon the next day. But they do a great job. That's of, all right. That's yeah, all right. It's great. Um, but, yeah, so I, you try to find as many tools as you can. You listen to certain uh, radio shows and broadcasts. I can tell you that you get great coverage over at 101 ESPN. You have... Uh, Alex Ferrario, who is a pre- and post-game for the St. Louis Blues. He's got great insight. We end up with Joey Vitale, Chris Kerber on, Jeremy Rutherford throughout the week. You have myself on the fast lane, 2-6 to six daily, that we talk about Blues once an hour. And I try to dive in as deep as I can and explain it, uh, just like we do here on this podcast. Just yeah. try to make sure that that if you're listening through headphones or your stereo, you visually can see what we're talking about, too. But my number one thing would be go to YouTube, punch in something you don't understand, uh, catch the beginning of the Blues games because there's a lot of stuff that goes on there, and listen to your favorite podcast, Last Minute Blues Podcast, or over at uh, 101 ESPN. And you know what is a very, very, very good source for news is Twitter. And I just found out, and how many times have I quoted Jer- Jeremy Rutherford on this on this program? I just found out today that I wasn't actually following Jeremy Rutherford. It was just all the retweets from everybody else. So I started following him. Give me two or three people that somebody like our emailer would should follow on Twitter 
uh, like a Luke Korak or somebody like that that would give insider information like the amazing Jeremy Rutherford does. Yeah, I think that uh, if you want want the insider information, uh, Jeremy Rutherford is great. Luke Korak, uh, Jim Thomas is the beat writer. They do a good job. Uh, you know, obviously, you can follow me, Jamie Rivers, 08, on Twitter. Uh, I do a lot of breakdowns and talk in depth about things. Alex Ferrario as well, uh, Ferrario101 ESPN, I think is what his um, his Twitter handle is. But yeah, those would be the guys right now, I think, that provide you know the most insight on things. And I'm sure there's a few I'm forgetting. Uh, some of the national people, um, Pierre Lebrun is fantastic. Darren Drager is fantastic. I found Drager one time around the uh, the trade deadline. I was like, you know, following uh, the the up to the minute things, and he was fantastic at that. He's great. Kevin Weeks, NHL Network. Boy, he's, he's so awesome good. Man. He's fantastic. Um, I love so, the way he goes crazy over fantastic goals, like when they show them back it, in the studio and he's standing up on the desk like he's surfing. <laughs> going, I love that. Guy. I love the energy. He was yeah. he was a teammate of mine in Long Island, and we grew up playing against each other. So I've known Weeksy for years, and. He's an awesome dude. So those would be my recommendations overall. Very good. You know, guys, I, I hate to be this guy. We're not going to be able to get through all the emails again today. That's, that's okay. <laughs> we're, that's we're just, we're right. just not going to be able to. Hey, guys, do you think it's a possibility that we would see a hybrid player or someone that would be able to put in that you would be able to put into a forward or defensive position or are the positions just too specialized for someone to bounce back and forth? This is from Brett. Second, I haven't played hockey in probably 10 years, but always wanted to get back into it. I only played roller hockey. And that's what I would like to start with. I figure with uh, COVID, stick and puck isn't much of a thing right now. But how would you suggest someone trying to get back into a league or on a team? I've always wanted to try to play goalie, but I feel like that's something you just can't jump into. If stick and puck becomes a thing again, how would you suggest I try and get back into it again? That is from Brett. So first, hybrid player. Second, getting back into hockey if you haven't played for a while. All right. So hybrid hybrid player, we're already seeing that. We are. I mean, we're... We've watched Eric Carlson for a number of years. He's kind of a hybrid player. Brent Burns, I hate to highlight other teams' players, but I will drag it back here to the Blues. Alex Petrangelo, uh, the last couple of years, been a hybrid player. Tori Krug is a hybrid player. You have these guys, Quinn Hughes in Vancouver, young up-and-coming stud, is a hybrid. Drew Doughty has been a hybrid player. Yes, they're defensemen, and that's where they start. I do think the league eventually will end up with guys who can play every position, and I think you have to look at forwards now, too, because with the way they forecheck and the way they try and keep the puck in, the F3, which is the high forward in the zone, the guy who sits back and kind of covers up, when the defenseman pinches down the wall, that forward becomes a defenseman. And so if the puck gets out, now you have a forward playing D. And so, I mean, the hybrid player, like Alexander Steen was a very hybrid player. He could play forward or defense. Sergei Fedorov, way back when with the Red Wings, played half the season as a defenseman. And then played forward because Scotty Bowman had injuries. And he's like, oh, Sergey, do you want to play D? He's like, sure. He's like, how do I play D? He's like, I don't know, just go get the puck. Okay. And because okay. he was such a good skater, he could skate and play and play defense. And so I do see it inching towards, we'll call it non-positional players as far as like giving them a certain title. But I do think you'll always have guys who are in certain spots because – you have to have a set defense. You have to have guys who, when all else fails, you know those guys are going to defend. You can't just have a guy and be like, oh, I'm going up the ice. And then you got nobody who covers. I think it would be very confusing if everybody was just a, a rover type. Sure. Uh, quick question, not based on any of these. Did you play for Scotty Bowman at all? Uh, no, I just missed him okay. in Detroit. But he was around when I was there. He had just finished uh, his last year. Dave Lewis took over. The whole staff 
was there, and Scotty was still around like almost every day. So he, to me, seems to be one of these guys that everybody just holds in really high regard and high esteem. And I don't feel like you hear a lot of people, you know, say negatives about Scotty Bowman. But to me, he doesn't look like a kind of guy that's a real warm and fuzzy, cuddly he, kind of fella. Is he a Bill Belichick-ish kind of guy? What? Can, what, what that's what I want to know. Like, yeah. can you talk about him a bit, like, kind of as a coach? And, you know, like, we, we see a lot of the old school guys. Uh, they definitely have sort of an edge to him. I'm sure Scotty has that. But it didn't piss off his – I mean, it just seems like he is a revered kind of figure in, in, in the game even still. Scotty was great. Scotty recognized no egos, right? So if you were in that locker room, it didn't matter if you played two minutes or 20 minutes a game, you got the same treatment. And so everybody did their job, and no no one player was more important to the team. You all had a job to do in certain situations. So, yeah, if you're Brad Hull in that locker room, your job's to score a goal. So, yeah, you're going to be put in goal-scoring situations, but that doesn't make you more valuable than Chris Draper, who's going out there to cover the other team's top line and work his you-know-what off. Everybody pitched in. It was a team mentality. Scotty had a way of of you know, keeping guys very level-headed, and he wasn't the warmest, fuzziest guy. In fact, he barely came in the room until it was time to do something or say something serious. And his practices, you know, he kind of let the other coaches handle that. But when it came time for the game, I don't know if there's another coach that managed his players or the bench as well as Scotty Bowman did. Well, first and foremost, it worked. My goodness, (laughs) whatever he did. And one of my favorite hockey memories, and I'm sorry that it involves Detroit, but it involves him, is him wearing skates, lifting the Stanley uh, Stanley Cup after a win, like skating around with it. I thought that was pretty cool. It was neat. The players loved it. And Scotty had just said, look, this is my last go here. And we win the Cup. He... He took off down the runway, got his skates on, came back out with the skates on. He got to lift the cup and skate around with the cup. The man's won like 12 Stanley Cups, I think, something like that. It's wow. it's ridiculous. Really? Oh, yeah. He won a whole bunch in Montreal, won two in Pittsburgh, uh, what, three or four in Detroit. And then he won. Now he's part of the Chicago Blackhawks staff, so he won a couple rings over there, too. Yeah, the man literally. You've run out of fingers for all of the rings, yeah, man. Yeah, he's got toe rings now. That's, that He's bringing so it back, Jeff. <laughs> toe rings. I just pictured Scotty Bowman's toes, A, and then two with a ring on it. There you go. Yeah, yeah but no, Scotty was a different, unique bird. Uh, he handled things very, very differently than you'd think. Sometimes it was kind of squirrely, but you respected it because you knew whatever was going on, it was the right thing to do, and more often than not, you end up winning the game because of it. Could his personality and the way he coaches still work today with today's players? It could. Okay. It could absolutely work because he surrounded himself with great assistant coaches, mm-hmm. and those were the caretakers of the players. So Barry Smith, Dave Lewis, Joey Koser, all those guys were caretakers of the players. And Scotty wasn't a caretaker to the player. You have a job to do. I'm here to do my job. When the puck drops, we're all going to do our job, and then we go our own ways. But the caretakers would be in and out of the locker room all the time, talking to the guys, having a coffee, having a beer on the road, this, that. Just a them. great culture. Yeah, yeah. it was incredible. I, I actually I, I went a long time without having the MLB network or the NHL network, and now that I've got them back, there's a whole slew of documentaries that I haven't seen. And so on the DVR or on my DVR or whatever it is now, I've got the 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 one about the Russian Five, yes. and then I've also got one about Joe Louis Arena. And I, I started just the one about that one. I was in tears the other night. Watching the Joe Lewis one, I did not know you had that emotion. That's, yeah, that's very nice. It was to wild, hear. man. It really is. Seriously, because of the time you spent there, 
and, and the the what that building meant. And when you walked in, like you walk in as a visiting team, you had a certain feeling. Especially back then, I was like, oh, it's gonna be a tough one. You walk in as part of the Red Wings, you have this like uh, overwhelming like sensation in your body. You're like. We're here to win. Like, mm. this is going to be an amazing night. I'm going to have a great night. I'm going to have so much fun. This building is going to be so loud. I can't wait. Just telling the story. You started to ramp it up. Like, by, the end, by the time I get to the locker room, I'm singing, I can't wait. <laughs> and so then you go out and you play, and the people are right on top of you, and it's an old school barn, and it was like, oh, my God, I can't do anything wrong in this place. <laughs> That's it's, it's so amazing because it just made me think, too, of like – um. You know, when you would see old pictures of, like, Chicago Stadium and even the arena of, like, you dudes having to walk down steps oh, to get to the to yeah. the rink and you stuff. Ever, and I'm have like, I ever told you guys that story in Chicago Stadium, my very first game? Uh, I don't oh, think so. Yeah, dude. This is a preseason game, by the way, and we're up playing Chicago. When you had to walk down, walk up the stairs to get to the rink, walk down the stairs to get to your locker room. It's just the way it was. Well... The stairs are about six inches wide, maybe, at best. And so you, when you walk up, you walk up on your toes. And when you come back off the ice, which they're right there, you kind of have to walk sideways. Well, we had a, a moment where after one of the periods, I came off and, you know, skating over. A fan throws a beer in my face. And I, you know, kind of react, react, react yeah. backwards like, whoa. <laughs> Down I go. Uh... <laughs> Right to the bottom of the stairs, covered in beer and dirt and food. Guys are laughing on the team. They're like, yeah, first game here, right, kid? Like, yeah. <laughs> Trainers are laughing, trying to wipe me down and whatnot. Oh, dude. Yeah, so it was a tough uh, tough go my first but, night. But not the first time you fell downstairs covered in beer. No, definitely <laughs> not the first time I've fallen downstairs can, can I you, covered I, in beer. I, I was only at the old Chicago Stadium one time. And it was for a Blues-Hawks game. I had a really amazing experience when I was 12. And I had a, a weekend where I got to see the Bulls on Saturday night at Old Chicago Stadium with Michael Jordan and Scotty. And then on Sunday night, it was Blues-Hawks. Wow. And um, <clears throat> it was the first time that a grown-up had openly cussed at me. <laughs> because oh, it happened in Chicago. Yeah, Shocking. We were, so we're, we're st- it's standing room only. St. Louis doesn't even have a team. How did you do that? <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, at the, at the, oh, oh the I thought you meant at the, no, the no, basketball no, no, no. game. No, no, no. I'm like, how did you do that? So, like, at this, at this, at the beginning of this game, Cujo went behind the net. His stick got stuck behind the net. They scored. The place is going friggin' crazy. And this guy is, like, getting up. And I'm still yelling for the blues because I'm 12 and that's what I do. And he says, shut the up, go Hawks, like right in my face. And I was like, what? <laughs> and so then this group of people that we were there with, they answered back. It ended up being a thing. But I was just like, I'm a kid. And that dude just told me to shut the F up. But you know what, though? I loved it. Yeah, like, like, I love like, like That's when you fell in love with hockey. Dude, that building was so loud. They call it the mature quickly package. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> so, man. Absolutely so. Well, listen, guys, we've, we've, we've still got more emails, so we, we owe and folks. And we never paid off our tease of the expansion. No, we never we did. did. So, so we, that's okay, because you know what? We don't have all of the rules yet. I found out a few different things, and we're we're – Clarifying this because we don't want to put together a team because clearly what we pick is going to be the best team. Correct. That, of course. Yeah. You know, I mean, Doug Armstrong will be listening for sure. He won't even do his own work. He'll he, just take ours. He'll just say whatever they said. Let's do that. <laughs> uh, so we want to make sure we have the rules right. And some things keep 
kind of changing and we're unsure. So we're, we're shelving that until our second uh, episode this weekend or on Thursday. Which is fantastic because anybody who wants to play along, get your roster together who you'd keep and not. Yeah, so that's what I was going to challenge our listeners to do is we have the emails, yep. right? LMBP at 1057thepoint.com. LMBP at 1057thepoint.com. Here's the challenge. And we also now have the Twitter handle. At blues underscore last. And you're allowed to have, uh, here's the pattern, seven forwards, three defensemen, one goalie, or option two for the expansion draft is eight skaters, just in general, and one goalie. So that's your options right there, which means you can have, uh, you know, you could have seven forwards and one defenseman and one goalie in the, in package two or in package one, seven forwards, three defensemen, and one goalie. So, again, we will revisit this on Thursday's episode, uh, LMBP at 1057thepoint.com, on Twitter, at Blues underscore last. Hit us up with your ideas. We'll go over that. We'll finally have our roster yeah. set. We'll have a little fun with it, boys. Yeah, I, I, I'll tell you what, dudes. I left Tory Krug off mine. I, I, left him, I left him available, but then after we talked... I thought that he has the no movement thing, so that would mean I'd have to oh take him my off. My God! Stop looking at me. Let's like end that, it man. right there. I left Jeff. Uh, I he left, left Tory Krug off the list. Unre- uh, unprotected. Tory Un- Krug. Protected. Huh? I left Bassin unprotected. Wow. Is, that, is it Are too guys, soon? You guys ridiculing me? Is this no, how we're, we're ending this thing? Depending on what ridicule I, means, no. I just want, what time of night did you do this list at? Because it would explain a lot, maybe. Listen, tough choices have to be made, man. Wow. The dude's on a seven-year dip. Last Minute Blues podcast, Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton, that guy Jamie Rivers from 101 ESPN. Oh, and because he plays in the NHL, he knows so much. Uh, listen, uh, share us with your hockey-loving friends. As always, we'll be back on Thursday. Uh, let's go Blues. The Last Minute Blues podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.